Uh, thank you, Beth, for sharing uh, part of your story with us. You know, it reminded me uh, what Beth was sharing, how so many of us are carrying uh, deep things in our hearts and how they can affect us. And so I just want to uh, remind you that as we come here to worship, we still come with uh, restrictions about, you know, our distancing and our masks. And I want to encourage you to uh, respect and love your brothers and sisters around you by, you know, maintaining those things, especially keeping our masks on when we come in, sit down, not taking them off. Because, uh, you know, some of us, well, some do have a medical exemption, but, but many of us maybe don't feel, uh, we feel more relaxed about the restriction. If I'm sitting there, I don't really mind taking my mask off. But we don't know what other people are carrying with them and the weight and, and trying to come here and worship and that if somebody around them had a mask off, that could really distract them from focusing on God. And so I'm asking you and encouraging you as an act of love. And you've been so good. Those of you have uh, just been amazed to watch people just out of a spirit of love, you know, taking their Sunday out uh, in the um, uh, overflow. And so now I'm asking you again out of a spirit of love in Romans 14 to think of others ahead of yourself. Uh, Philippians 2 as well. That, yeah, you might not feel so compelled to keep the mask on all the time, but people around you may need you to do that. And just in love for one another, I want to encourage you to just keep that uh, mask on so that we don't distract other people around us who are coming here and need to hear from God, um, and, but they can't because they're being distracted. So I just encourage you to think not of yourself first, but of others. And uh, that's a lot of what we're going to hear in our message today. Now let me pray and we'll jump into it. Uh, Jesus, I pray for the unity of this church, for you to help us to think of others first, especially around this whole COVID issue, the vaccines, the masks, the distancing, all that goes with it. It is easy for us to become so focused on ourselves, we forget others. It doesn't matter what side of that debate we're on it's easy to put ourselves first. And so I pray for a spirit of love to uh, abound among us here at Springvale and that we would think of others ahead of ourselves. I pray too that your spirit would now come to us and help us to lay down things that we carry deep inside that affect our actions and so much of the stuff that we carry inside is often caused by how others treat us. And they leave a residue of hurt and pain and anger and bitterness within us. I pray you'd help us to understand how you have called us to be different in these things. In Jesus' name, I pray you would open your word to us. Amen. Uh, probably the most hurtful email I ever got what came from a toxic individual in the previous church that I was at. Uh, unknown to me and the elders, uh, this individual was going around visiting people and telling them outright lies, as well as spinning stories, leaving out you know, significant points and, and making them point to an opposite direction than was actually true. And so it was becoming, caused division in the church. But I guess that wasn't enough. And so this individual decided he was going to write his, his lies and his stories in an email and send it out to more than 50 pastors and missionaries in Feb Central 
uh, or at the fellowship, which is what we belong to as a group of churches, and, and tell them how bad of a pastor I was and what was, go- what was really going on at the church. Well, and I was uh, CC'd into that email. Well, I want to tell you, when I got that email, at first, you know, the, the, it's, it hurts. Then I got angry. And then I decided I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to reply all to everybody, and I'm going to tell them the real story. And so I start making my draft and working it over, being prepared to get the real truth out there because really, honestly, it was lies and spin. In the middle of that, in my devotional time, God took me to this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2. To this you were called... Because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example, for me, that I, me, should follow in Jesus' steps, he committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth, and when they hurled their insults insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he didn't make threats, instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Well, honestly, that was the last verse I wanted to read in that moment in time. And But Jesus was clearly speaking to me through his word that, Ed, this is the way to follow me in this situation. Will you obey? Now, it doesn't really matter... Um, who you are, you're not going to get through life without somebody hurting you in an unfair and unjust way. It is going to happen to you. I'm going to guess pretty well all of you here or those of you listening have had this happen to you and it will happen again. Sometimes it'll be small things like somebody cut in line ahead of you or somebody you know, driving down the, the 401 going 80 and you can't get by them. Or cutting you off and giving you the finger as you go by and you're wondering, what in the world did I do? Sometimes it's somebody says a joke at your expense and you feel kind of foolish around people. Sometimes it's, it's, it's minor things, but they still hurt. At other times, it's a little more significant. It could be a boss fires you without, in your opinion, really good cause. It wasn't fair, the decision that he or she made. Sometimes it could be people lying about you, so you lose something. You lose a friend, or you lose uh, a job opportunity, or you lose a promotion because of the lies that they have told about you. It could be a friend betraying you, not having your back, treating you unfairly. Somebody breaking up with you and going out with your, uh, a friend of yours, and you being left on the side. A teacher uh, maybe a teacher is uh, uh, humiliating you in front of a class, or a coach is sitting your kid so that her kid can play. And then other times, it's life-altering. An unfaithful spouse. Somebody is suing you unjustly, dragging you through court. Or somebody steals something from you, or abuses you or one of your family. So when we face unjust treatment, what are Jesus' words to us of how we follow him in this word? 
in this world. We're in uh, Jesus' most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And Jesus has called us to be salt and light, to follow him. And he says to follow him means to obey him. And how do we obey him? And he says, this is the way. And so he spends two chapters, this sermon, unfolding what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And when you're treated unjustly or unfairly, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, verse 38, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And that is a quote out of the Old Testament. And the reasoning behind this law is that the punishment for a sin or a punishment for a crime should fit the, the, the crime. So whatever you do to another person, the punishment should fit the severity or the lightness of what you have done against that person. And so it was an easy step to go from, well, that's what the law says, to I have the right to respond to somebody who treats me wrong. I have the right. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Somebody makes a fool of me, I can make a fool of them. Somebody beats, beats on me, I can beat on them. Somebody steals from me, I can steal from them. But, now this is a common phrase Jesus has said. You have heard it said, this is what your interpretation of the Old Testament law is. But I'm saying to you, do not resist. That word means to fight back. Do not fight an evil person. Now, honestly, I have spilt more sweat on this verse than most in the Bible because it just doesn't seem fair. If an evil person attacks me, I shouldn't fight back. And then Jesus kind of makes sure we understand what he's saying. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek... Turn to them the other one. What? If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat too. Oh, come on. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asked you. Are you kidding me? Give to the one who asked you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. See, when I got that email, everything in me wanted to respond and show just what kind of liar that guy was. And then verses like this from Jesus say, don't fight evil persons. Now, Paul, uh, in Romans chapter 12, picks this up. I think he's probably reflecting on the teaching of Jesus as he writes this. Certainly, the Holy Spirit is making the connection. Because Paul is going to talk about this and elaborate what Jesus was saying when he said this. Because here's, here's the reality. How we respond to unjust treatment affects our hearts. And Jesus said, whatever is in your heart comes out 
in your words and in your actions and in your motives. So how you respond to evil will condition your heart and it will find its way out. And remember, he's called us to be what? Salt and light. So that when we obey Jesus, people see Jesus. But if sin is coming out of our lives, they're not seeing Jesus. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Just kind of a rephrasing of what Jesus said. Don't resist evil. Don't fight back. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of anyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Remember, he's saying that in the context of somebody who's treated you unjustly. And he says, as far as possible with you, as far as it depends on you, your motives, your thinking, your actions, you live at peace with people around you, even people that are toxic and evil. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For as it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Paul says, don't you get even with that person. Don't you respond in the same way to that person. You just entrust it. You just lay it all down at the feet of Jesus and let him deal with it. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This kind of sounds like words Jesus would say. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, just a little aside on this. I have no idea what heap burning coals on their head means. I, I have looked for this understanding of this, that passage for 25 years, and I've found people trying to explain it, but I've never really found a good explanation is quoted in Proverbs. It's like heaping burning coals in somebody's head. In the context, it means do good to them because you heap burning coals in their head. Is that because you, know, you burn them with your good works, but that just doesn't seem to fit what Paul is saying here? Or, or does yeah, heaping coals mean give good and I don't know, and it burns the person up? I, I don't know what it means, but it's a quote from the Old Testament and it's just one of those things I don't understand. But it doesn't mean I don't understand the passage. Don't overcome, Paul kind of sums it up. Don't be overcome. Don't you be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So when it comes to the unjust treatment that that teacher, or that coach, or that boss, or that spouse, or that child, or or parent, or whoever it was, whatever they did to you, whatever it comes to it, don't try to overcome their evil by committing evil. By the way, have you noticed that is the theme of most action movies in our culture today? I mean, John Wick loses a dog and he kills, what, a thousand people? <laughs> that is the spirit. I, you hurt me, I have the right to hurt you. And Jesus says, no, you don't. Now, what am I supposed to do then? This raises up a couple questions for me. The first one is, well, if somebody does something against me, does that mean I can't tell the police? I'm not supposed to resist? I just let them do it? 
And how am I supposed to deal with a person when they treat me unjustly? So the first thing I would say is that Jesus' words does not negate our responsibility to report something that is illegal. I mean, you don't make your whole theology on one verse. You take all scripture. In Romans chapter 13, Paul says, the government and the police are given to protect those who do good and to punish those who do wrong. The whole purpose for the government is to ensure that there is peace and order and lawfulness. And so if something happens to you that is illegal against the law, you have not only the right but the responsibility to report that and then leave it with the authorities and then let them take care of it. Because when Jesus is talking here, he's talking about what happens to you and how you respond. And so if somebody does something illegal, you can tell the police with that. Or somebody is treating somebody unjustly, you can step in and defend that person. Because it's not happening to you, it's happening to another person. And there's a whole different emotional level when you're the target versus somebody else. There are times when we have to report things to the law. And there are times when we have to stand up for other people. But when the evil is done to you and it's not illegal or you can't prove it, what do you do with that? Because it still hurts. I mean, it, doesn't it bother you if your kid is being sat on the bench so the coach can play their kid? Doesn't it bother you if somebody cheats on you or steals from you or, or handshakes a deal and then backs out on you or betrays you? Doesn't that hurt? Doesn't that create negative emotions in you? How are you supposed to deal with that? How am I supposed to deal with that? Well, that's what Jesus goes on to say in the next verse. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This was an Old Testament summary by the Jewish people of things God had said in the Old Testament. But Jesus goes, well, you didn't really get that right either. Because he says to you, I say, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You want to know how to treat somebody who says something about you that hurts you or cuts you out of a, a promotion at work or a group at school or cuts you out of a friendship or, or undermines the work that you do. How do you respond to them? You love them and pray for them. Now here's the problem with preaching passages like this. Every once in a while, God says, you know, Ed, I think I'm going to salt your preaching with a little live experience. Now, this is a minor thing, but it still bothered me. So <laughs> this week, I'm going to, I'm, before I come to work in the morning, I'm going to stop at Timmy's and get a dark roast because I just didn't have my full allotment of coffee at home. So I'm going to stop by and pick one up. Well, when you go at breakfast time at Timmy's on Main Street, it's really busy. And so uh, if you know the store, the store at Main Street, the store, well, the drive-through goes like that around the back. And it's always full at that time. So the cars overflow out onto the road. I think it's called Sandale there. That road, they, they, uh, they, they overflow out. And so you've got cars lined up this way, cars lined up this way to go in and go in. So I'm waiting in line, and you know everybody's letting one another go as they kind of come. I turn in, and then some slimy character sees the lines. And so he goes into the parking lot and then comes up 
and tries to butt in to the line to get ahead of the six or seven or eight people that are waiting on the road to get in. Well, my righteous indignation took over right in that moment. And I said, there's not on my watch. You're not cutting in in front of all these people that have been waiting, and you're certainly not cutting in front of me. So he's driving this little, I don't know, small little car. I drive a truck, so I pull up tight to the person in front of me so he can't get in. So he thinks, well, I'll nose my, my car just a little bit more to show that I'm going to come, come forward. So I take my truck, and I nose it a little bit toward him and keep coming forward. At that point, I want to put down my window and yell at the guy, get in line like everybody else! Because I'm right. I, I have every right to say that to the slimy character who thinks he's going to bypass it. Who is he that he gets to cut in line? It just bugs me when people do that. So he can't come in because he's going to be run over. So I keep going. And I'm looking in my rearview mirror to see how the person behind me is going to respond. Because I've set the example. And so I'm thinking they're going to, sh the, the guy behind me, it wasn't a guy, it was a girl. She was driving a white Ford F-150. I drive a black one. I'm like, baby, bring that right up onto my tailgate. <laughs> and so I'm watching, and as I inch forward, she's not moving. Yeah. She stays there, and she lets the guy in. All my hard work, gone and wasted. She lets this guy in in front of all the people behind her. Like, doesn't she have a conscience? So I'm, 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 now I'm, you know, you know how quickly you go through the drive <laughs> So I'm, I'm sitting there the whole time, bugs me. Maybe I should put it in reverse and back over top of the guy. I don't know what I, how am I going to handle this? And then as clearly as if it was an audible voice, though it wasn't, it was, well, love your enemy. I'm like, Where, what kind of thinking is that? <laughs> well, you're going to be preaching on it on Sunday. And what, what, you want me to buy the guy's order or something? Yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> So now I'm like, come on, I don't have, he doesn't deserve it, he's cutting in on people, the guy's a slimy character, I mean the cut-in guy, like everybody hates the cut-in guy, and I'm not buying him, and I, I'm like, I'm not buying it, I'm not buying it, I'm not buying it, I'm not buying it, I get to the counter, okay, I'll pay for the guy behind me. <laughs> so as I'm driving out, and I'm reflecting on this, it's like the Spirit says to me, you do know you become the person that you act like. If you're going to act in bitterness and hatred and cruelty and anger toward other people, you do know you become that person. You do know that, don't you, Ed? And if you act and unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and hatred toward the people that have hurt you. You do know that that's, Jesus said, you, what we harbor in our hearts then comes out in our words and our motives and our actions. And we become the people that we are angry at. So Jesus said, I got another way to handle it. 
Love your enemies. Do good to them. Buy their order at Tim Hortons. Pray for them. Pray for those who even do far worse than cut in line. Pray for those who actively attack you. It is almost impossible to hate somebody you faithfully pray for. Oh, at first you can, because they hurt you. But if you truly pray for people that have hurt you and been unjust to you, you change. They don't change. You change. Well, they might change. God might change them, but you change. And Jesus says, uh, pray for them that persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. When you act in love toward those that hate you, you're like God. You're like the Father, because, Jesus, because the Father is fully just and fully good in everything he does even when he brings a judgment on a person. Did you know that? Yes, you knew that. Because if you went to a court case and the judge didn't rule according to justice and goodness, you would be angry at the judge and you would say, you did wrong. And so how much more if a judge in our legal system is required to do what is good and just and give a just ruling how much more do you think God, who is eternally good and eternally just, is going to give to each person as they deserve? But even him, even God, who is good and just from the inside, even when people curse his name and deny that he exists and they mock Jesus and they mock his word, he still gives them good gifts. He still gives them rain and food and blessing on their businesses, and money in their bank accounts. He's still good to them. So you be like your Father in heaven. And instead of fighting back with evil, be good. You, you do know that much of our fighting back happens in here, not here, right? That because sometimes when people treat us evil, we don't, we don't have a chance to, like we don't jump over our desk and beat the snot out of the guy because we, you know, we know we'll be ending up in prison. And so, but we hate them in our heart. That's our reaction to them. You know, to hate somebody in your heart and, and treat them with unforgiveness is to resist evil. I'm going to use evil in here to feel better about myself and then resist you. by the way, we're called to be salt and light, then how can we be salt and light in a world where we're just like everybody else? See, I told you this was hard. In fact, Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward is there to that? And not even the tax collectors, the worst people in society, don't even the worst people in society do that? If you greet only your own people or the people you're on good terms with, 
which may be a little convicting for those of you that came in, saw somebody and sat on the other side of the church. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than anybody else? Don't even the pagan, don't even the people that have nothing to do with God, want nothing to do with God, don't know anything about, don't, isn't that how they act? But you, you be perfect. The word there means complete or mature as your heavenly father is fully mature and fully righteous. That you, that you be different like your father's different. That you, when you're treated unjustly, unfairly, when something happens to you, you don't respond the way the world does, either inside or outside. But you love. You do good. Can you imagine if in Jesus' day, he's teaching this, and then everybody goes away, and then one woman goes, okay, I'm going to take him at his word. And she's in the marketplace, and somebody gets in an argument with her, another woman, and slaps her in the face. And everybody stops. And the woman who slapped turns her cheeks towards the other person and says, go ahead. I'm open. I'm not going to resist you. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to return evil for evil. What would that say to everybody that was watching? Well, some, what's wrong with her? And other people, what does she have that I don't? What would it say to the person slapping her? What would it say if you do good at work to the person who humiliated or ridiculed you? What would it say to the person that betrayed you if you prayed for them and found a way to act good toward them? <laughs> we become what we hold within here. And Jesus says, don't hold that junk. Instead, love. Because when we obey Jesus, people see Jesus. That's the whole point of this whole sermon. When you obey me, you're salt and light, and people will see me. And this is how you obey me. This is the way. So what do we do with this? Well, first of all, if there's something illegal that has happened to you or in your family, then you need to report it. Not only do you have the right to report it, you have the responsibility to protect the person that is being the victim. And if you're the victim, you need to report it. The law is there to protect you. And by Jesus saying this word, he was not referring to allowing illegal stuff to happen to you. He was referring to how you're going to respond to that evil person. Because even after you report it, you still have to respond to that person. But if it isn't illegal, or you can't prove that it's illegal, but it's something that's causing you emotional stress, here's what Jesus says. Identify first what it is you're feeling and tell God about it. This person said, this person did, that person treated me in this way, and this is how I feel about it, and this is what it's creating in me. 
promised he'd be with me forever. He promised that that deal would go through. She said that she would build me up and help me. She said she would never betray. Tell that first to Jesus. And then lay it all, that, that, ver, that song we sang is perfect. Lay it all down at his feet. Jesus, I give this to you. You will, you'll deal with it. You'll settle it. Do, do you know that that verse in Galatians that says, don't forget, we reap what we sow. Do you not think that God in all of his wisdom and his power and his omnipresence is not working in this world to deal with sin? But he does it in his way. So we acknowledge it. And then we lay it down at the feet of Jesus. And then we pray in love for those people. Because when you choose to pray for somebody and to do acts of goodness to them, that's like a big hole in the bucket of your heart where all the ugh can, just comes in. You know what the funny thing was about cut-in guy and me buying the coffee for him? is the moment I paid for it, moved on, I forgot all about it. Like, I mean, prepay, I was just really worked up. I was ready to drive my truck back over his car. But after I did good and prayed for a cut-in guy, I was different. He wasn't. He got a free coffee for cutting in. But I was different. I never even thought of it until I was forming this sermon and went, oh, yeah, I remember those words. It's amazing what obeying Jesus does for you. And I, I just want to end with something that you know and is kind of obvious, that you remember that verse I quoted in 1 Peter where Jesus didn't retaliate and he didn't, he, he didn't uh, act in evil or get revenge? Do you remember when Peter was referring to that, what, what the context behind those uh, that situation with Jesus was? You remember that was when he was being falsely accused and lied about and being put on trial and then killed, that was when he entrusted himself to God and gave himself over to God so that he knowingly, he knew he had to die for us because he was going to take our place on the cross and pay for our sin and so he needed to accept the lies and the false accusations because he knew this was the will of God to, so that he could pay for our sins and so that we could, if we were willing to admit our sin, and if we were willing to believe that the death and resurrection of Jesus paid for our sins, and if we choose to surrender our lives to Jesus, that we could have full forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. And he did it by loving his enemies and doing good to them. It's hard for me now to look at Jesus and go, well, I ain't going to do that. When my whole salvation rests on love your enemies. Could you bow your head, please? So if the Spirit of God has brought a person or situation, maybe it's somebody from your family or work or sports or school, and the Spirit of God has brought that person's face or that action that happened to you that's been causing bitterness and anger and hurt and unforgiveness 
self-righteousness in your soul. This is how you deal with it. This is how you deal with it. Jesus, uh, would you have your way with us now, just bringing into mind those things that we have not resolved or left over to you, the things that are bubbling in our heart and turning us into people who are more like the world than we are like Jesus. Would you give us the courage to face the truth about ourselves and then the strength to obey you so that when people see us obey you, they see you. And so this morning, I'm sure that you have pointed out to some of us that this is our next step obedience. Help us to make that step, I pray.